You know that old story about where babies come from? That babies are delivered by a stork? Now, does that, that story ever make any sense to anybody? <laughs> I mean, what, are the, what does a stork do with the baby? I mean, do they, is, it, is it like a Santa Claus thing? The baby goes down the chimney? <laughs> or do they leave the baby on the front porch? I don't know. I, 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 all I know is that I want to tell you a story tonight about the time that I became a stork. And I was flying across the chimney tops with a baby in a bundle. But before I do that, I have to tell you a little bit about Harry and Bertha Holt. Harry and Bertha Holt were farmers down in Cresswell at the, at the uh, southern end of the Willamette Valley. This was right after the Korean War. And they watched a, a documentary at their church about babies that had been born during the war in Korea. Their mothers were local girls. This always happens in war, doesn't it? And their fathers were soldiers, American soldiers, UN soldiers. And because these babies were of mixed race, they were shunned by Korean society. And they were being warehoused in these orphanages. Orphanages that were usually being, uh, you know, uh, sponsored by American and European Christian organizations. Now, we have all heard stories, uh, and we've seen documentaries. We see Sally Struthers on late night TV, you know, uh, and, and we, we see these situations where, where we can help. And many of us do. And we always say, oh, that's just a terrible thing, and, and uh, somebody ought to do something about this. They actually did do something major about it. They decided that they were going to adopt eight Korean babies. And they brought eight Korean mixed-race toddlers home from Korea to Cresswell. They didn't sponsor them. This wasn't feed the children. They adopted them. They raised them in their home. They already had six kids. In the process, they invented international adoption. Bertha Holt, through the offices of Oregon's senators, primarily Senator Newberger, this was in the mid-1950s, had a special act of Congress passed to allow international adoption, because there was no such thing before that. But now, it's routine, isn't it? I imagine that most of you in this audience has some connection to an adoption. Either you have adopted yourself, maybe you are adopted, maybe you have family who have adopted, and many from overseas. It's routine. But when they started this, it was unheard of. Especially what was unheard of was a multiracial adoption. I mean, these were little Korean, Afro-American Korean babies or Dutch Korean babies or whatever that they were bringing. Bringing to the United States. So, flash forward to the mid-1990s and I was working for Holt in Eugene, for Holt International Children's Services. The largest international adoption agency in the world. Programs in 13 countries. 
programs in China, programs in Thailand, Korea, programs in South America, in Eastern Europe. <coughs> and I got, I was fortunate enough on, as a member of the whole staff to travel to some of these programs. But the one place that I wanted to go, that I, that I really wanted to see, that I wanted to travel to was India. India was special. Most of the countries that you adopt from, the adoptive parents, the American parents, have to fly to China, have to fly to Romania, and appear in a local courtroom, at which point the, some judge signs a piece of paper and releases this child to you. And then you go through immigration when you get back to the United States, and you go to a local courtroom in the US to formally adopt under our laws. India was a little different. You did not, the parents did not have to go to India. In fact, it was rather routine that a staff member from Holt would fly to India, pick up the child, and bring that baby back to the US. The parents, the adoptive parents, would buy the airline ticket, but it was just a lot simpler for them. They didn't have to go. Sometimes you have to spend two or three weeks in these countries. So this was a good deal. It was a great deal at Holt because we got to go to India. In fact, you know, I'd be in the office and somebody would say, well, you know, when you were in India, and i go, oh, you know, I, I, I haven't been selected to go to India yet. And there'd be this, oh. <laughs> Did you notice that eyebrow? Oh. <laughs> you haven't been to India? And it was like, the, you know, I was, I was outside this inner circle. I wanted to be inside the inner circle. I wanted to, you know, to go to India. If I was Lacey, I'd sing the in crowd. <laughs> Finally, the day came. And my colleague from work, Dean, and I were uh, asked to go to India and bring back, the two of us, to bring back three babies. You know, it didn't even seem remarkable that two middle-aged men <laughs> would go to India and bring back three babies. But that was the deal, and we were happy to do it. So um, I, I just I remember so clearly we arrived from London in Bombay in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock in the morning. There were probably 10,000 people in the airport. <laughs> I mean, I guess because all the flights from Europe arrive in the middle of the night, but it, I mean, it was just my introduction to India. India is a total assault on the senses. You know, everywhere you look, there's something amazing to see in India. You know, the, the street scenes, you know, the marketplace, and all the brilliant colors, the spice market, and and uh, just bobbing heads and people and naked old little old men, you know, naked little old men walking down the street, you know, <laughs> and cows just wandering through traffic and and uh, and the smells. I mean, you know, the street scenes in India, uh, well, exhaust, you know, auto exhaust and and human sewage and uh, and and. The street vendors, the food, you know, the, the, the curries and, and everything. Uh, it just, India is overwhelming. It's amazing. Uh, I loved it, and there were parts of it that I just hated. 
But finally, uh, well, I, I should say that we were going to be there for three weeks because we had certain business to transact with our partners. We, there are these agencies in India that run orphanages that take in abandoned children and so on and so forth and hold supports them. And those are our partners. And we had a bunch of, you know, sort of budgetary and other things to do with them while we were waiting for these three little girls to be ready to come home. As it turned out, there was a, a hiccup in the paperwork of one of the little girls, and she was not going to be able to leave on our original schedule. So Dean, Dean wanted to go home because uh, if, he, if he went home on the original schedule, he would be at home for his daughter's seventh birthday. So he agreed that he would take by himself the two of the children that were ready to go, and I would stay an extra six or seven days until Deepa, was her name, was cleared by the court to go uh, with me to Chicago, to her new family, her adoptive family in America. So I waved goodbye to Dean, and he's given me this, <sighs> but he got home, he survived, I almost did about two days before we were leaving, Deepa and I were going to leave for Chicago, I got deathly ill. I got food poisoning. Not an uncommon thing to happen in India. I think it was the mussels in the hotel bar. God, I was so sick. I, I mean, I, I was erupting from both ends <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> And uh, I remember after the, oh, it was a, you know, a, I think it was a cocktail hour thing, and that next day, and then the second day, you know, I finally had somebody from our whole partner uh, come to the hotel, and I said, can I get some Pepto-Bismol? I said, you really need some Pepto-Bismol. You know, they didn't know from Pepto-Bismol. They didn't know. So they actually sent one of the cars with the driver, and they took me around in these different places looking for Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> and I'm just, oh. Okay, Mr. Jock, get out of the car, and we're gonna go in this place. Okay, I can do this. No one knew what the hell I was talking about. Finally, we're in this pharmacy, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually sort of, you know, doing, you know, a, what kind of motions, you know? And the guy says, K-O-Pectate? <laughs> <laughs> yes! K-O-Pectate! <laughs> yes! Oh, man. I was just stuffed full of that stuff. Okay, so the time came. I'm at the airport in Bombay. I have DIPA. I have like five diaper bags full of Deepa's shit, you know. <laughs> and of course my own suitcase, which almost got left behind because I kept forgetting about it. Deepa's 13 months old, but babies who live in uh, institutions like orphanages are very often developmentally delayed. So Deepa wasn't walking. She, uh, I'm not even sure how much she was crawling. She was very much a lap. In fact, she didn't even have a separate ticket. She was going to be on my lap. She was in my on my lap 
while we're sitting at the airport for two or three hours in Bombay. She was in my lap in a nine-hour flight from Bombay to Frankfurt. She was in my lap while we're transferring terminals. And then an eight-hour flight to Chicago. The entire time of which I am still sick as a dog. Just before I got on the plane, I'm thinking, I do not want to do this. I mean, the odds are, this is going to kill me. Having the responsibility for this kid, and I'm still I'm weak and I'm, I'm exhausted. But you know, that's what I was there for, and you know, we're going to give it the old American try, aren't we? So, <laughs> and then at the last thing, as I'm getting on the plane, you know, the, the Indian guys are telling me, "Oh, Mr. Jack, it's going to be fine because as soon as you get on the plane, as soon as those stewardesses." understand that you're taking this baby back to America to her new family. They are going to be all over this. They're going to take her and they're going to walk her up and down the aisles. They're going to want to feed her her formula. You know, they're, 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 the passengers in the cabin will hear about it and they'll want to play with her. You'll probably never even see the damn kid. <laughs> No, none of that was true. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was just about all I could do to get him to give me a glass of water. So if I had to go to the lavatory, which was, you know, like what, every 20 minutes? Deepa went with me. I sat down, you know, and Deepa sat on my lap. <laughs> And she's just happy. <laughs> she doesn't know that this explosion. <laughs> Somehow we made it. Somehow we got to Chicago. I figured out later that I'd actually had Deepa in my arms and no sleep for 22 hours. And you've got to remember that I'm so weak. I'm just trembling, you know, with exhaustion and uh, and, and de uh, dehydration and nausea. Still, even when we got as far as Chicago, so I get off the plane with Deepa and her diaper bags, and we go through customs. It takes a while. I mean, here we've got this new citizen to be, don't we? So they're checking all of her paperwork out. Finally, I get her through, and we go out to the waiting room. And uh, there they are. Farm family, a nice young couple from Wisconsin. Dairy farmers. He's got his John Deere hat on. <laughs> and they're just looking so anxious, you know. And I see the mom. And the mom, this is about to come true for her. I mean, from this time, until this time, it had been photographs, and letters and emails going back and forth and oh well there's this wrinkle and it's going to be this much and oh this child here's a progress report and she's a little jaundiced this that, and the other thing i mean you're 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 you know this baby's 13 months old and they've they've been waiting for her probably for six of those months and so all of a sudden she sees me and she sees deepa you know and and, and I, I got to live that moment when she focused on that child 
when she became a mother, when she bonded with that baby, you know, and, and uh, I was the midwife. <laughs> I was the stork that brought this baby to her. And all of a sudden, all, all, everything fell away. I wasn't tired. I wasn't, you know, dehydrated. John Deere bought me a Coke as big as <laughs> But I was, I was true, and she, and mom was weeping, and I was weeping, and, and dad was weeping, and, and you know, it was one of the most meaningful and holy moments of my entire life. And when I got back to the office in future months, I was the one that was able to say that I was in that inner circle, and people would say, have you been to India? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to India. <laughs>